we're back, baby. Hey. We're back, everybody. It's the <laughs> of a podcast. Welcome. Back from our month-long hiatus? Month and a half? Something like that? Yeah, here we are, trans-Halloween, you know, on the other side of Halloween. And mm-hmm. I'm Alex. Nice to... Nice I'm Nick. To I'm Elise. <laughs> it's good to be back. Is it? No, I'm just kidding. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to hear you two again. Yeah, yeah, it has been no, a minute since we've is, actually yeah. like had a chance to talk. Now that you no longer live in our basement, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, so it gets lonely down here. <laughs> you live in your own basement now, or something. You're your know. own mistress. I, I live. I live in the basement of people that have like two children that like to run around at all hours. Oh jeez, uh, I can't imagine having two kids in that apartment. Yeah, I mean. It it is it is what it is. It's it's a cheap apartment, and people mm. making do right now. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Shit still sucks. This just in. <laughs> twenty twenty is still a dumpster fire. It's been a dumpster fire since uh, day one. I think we splashed some water on it last week, but pretty sure it's still fucking raging. <laughs> Back well, in the studio with Nick. Mm-hmm. Now we're we uh, bringing you the most important debate of the day, which is, of course, whether uh, which is the, which is the better Muppets property. <laughs> no, there is a lead up to this. Okay, okay. Is, is there or is it just that? Which is okay. So I take it this is something that you two have been talking about, and you're here to pick my brain about it now. Yes. Okay. We're just going to pass over politics. Who cares? (laughs) Who gives a fuck? Coronavirus? I don't give a shit. Muppets. Muppets. That's what's on the pulse of society. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But so we're, we're here to talk controversial opinions. Now, a Muppet Christmas Carol is the definitive version of a Christmas Carol. That is not the controversial opinion. That is undisputed fact. I can I can agree to that. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yes, because that is correct. (laughs) Now, however, however, it is not the best. I mean, it is very close. It is very close to the top. It is very near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. However, it is not the best Muppet Media production. Okay. Okay. Are you? Are you? Okay. Are you going to ask my opinion blind, or are you both going to present your options? No, no, no. no. I'm going to present because there is fact and there is nonsense. There is fact and there is nonsense. There is nothing in between here. The best Muppet Media property is the television special, A Muppet Family Christmas. It is, you cannot find it on DVD. Uh, or Blu-ray or anything like that. Um, it aired. I should have Wikipedia this when I was in the bathroom, and I didn't <laughs> because I don't prepare for this podcast. Um, but so Muppet Family Christmas. It was. I'm I am stalling and I am stalling. Nineteen eighty-seven. Nineteen eighty-seven. Yeah. Thank you. All right. So nineteen eighty-seven television special. Muppet Family Christmas. It was one of the last things that Jim Henson did before his death. Um, It is a Muppet super production. Like, we are talking 
30 years before the MCU did their amazing crossover, Muppets did it first, okay? And if we can get that hashtag going, I'd super appreciate it. (laughs) Muppets did it first, people. All right. In Muppet Family Christmas, so the basic idea of a Muppet Family Christmas, I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before. I don't think you have, honestly. Not (laughs) not this one, no. (laughs) Okay, so just to recap... Here, for the uninitiated, this is the plot of A Muppet Family Christmas. Essentially what happens, we open on a farm, on a beautiful farmhouse. Actually, technically we open on the Muppets singing uh, We Need a Little Christmas. Then we get the title card. And then we have a snow-laden farmhouse. And we have Fozzie's mom, um, who is ditching the farmhouse for Christmas and going to Malibu for Christmas because this is a bear that knows how to treat herself. She is a queen, and we stand. All right. So Fozzie and the rest of his idiot friends crash the farmhouse. We're talking everybody. We're talking Kermit, um, Dr. Teeth. We're Gonzo, Rizzo. Everybody's fucking there except for Miss Piggy. That becomes a point, plot point later on. So they all come crashing into the farmhouse. That ruins Mrs. Fozzie Bear's plans to go to Malibu. So instead, they're all going to be there. Now, here's what happens. She rented it to Doc and Sprocket from the Fraggles. So we are talking Fraggles. We got Fraggles. We got Muppets. And the Sesame Street clan comes to town. All right. Everybody is there to party. At least your summary is already twice as long as the actual special is. We also, if you were a fan of the uh, the Jug Band specials, all right, we got those woodland creatures as well. So, like, anybody except for the Labyrinth people or the Dark Crystal, but whatever, we're not going to talk about them. But the main Muppet family has all crossed over. And this has not been possible since the 1980s because after Jim Henson's death, all of the... Uh, franchise rights got like divvied up between various media corporations. And then of course, over the last 30 decades, fucking Disney has started to buy everything. So it might come back again. Uh, but for a really long time, you couldn't get the DVD or if you did get a DVD, it didn't actually have, Oh, cause the Muppet babies, they also had the Muppet babies. Um, it was actually, wasn't it the first appearance? It was the first no, appearance of the, the um, it was the first Muppets appearance of Manhattan. Elmo. Oh, okay. It's the first appearance of the Muppet Babies. One of those. One of those is. So, but yeah, it had Muppet Babies, Fraggles, the Muppets, and Sesame Street. Um, all together for the one special. And Jim Henson comes in at the end for a special cameo. It's really adorable. Um, and that's like, and it's really sad because that's one of the last things he filmed before his death. Um, so we're talking like big media franchise ever since then. The rights to the Muppets have been divvied up against, like, amongst various uh, media corporations. And so you can't actually find it in its entirety, except for on YouTube, until Disney fucking takes that down because they're soulless corporate monsters. Mm-hmm. You hear? Anyway. So, yeah. Muppet Family Christmas. It's fucking great. So, I this is the correct answer, according to you, Elise? Th- this is... This is Elise's wrong argument. This is what Elise's <laughs> correct and definitive answer, as Elise is, of the three of us, the expert on the Muppets. Okay. And, and, but you've said two wrong things about the Muppets tonight, so that Shut makes the fuck you feel up. like maybe you're losing your touch. <laughs> what is <laughs> first? What Nick? What is what is your correct answer? So my correct answer is that the uh, that Muppet Family Christmas, while amazing 
is just like you know it's a fun little like m- like late 80s like holiday special kind of on par with like um uh peewee's holiday special like Pee- peewee's christmas whatever that was called that one's like they're they're about on the same level. No, they are not. Uh, How dare you? Yes, they are. Oh my Look, god! I'm, Who did I marry? Is, is Shaka Khan in Muppet Family Christmas? No, but she is in Pee Wee's Christmas Special. Oh my god! So, so what? You know, what is Pee-wee's... the correct answer, so Nick? You the correct answer me. is obviously it's obviously uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Like Muppet Christmas Carol is the best Muppet fe- feature. Is the best Muppet media thing. Now, see, <laughs> I'm going to give you my correct answer. Uh, which oh, is going to be neither of those? <laughs> which is going to be Muppet Treasure Island. Ooh. Close second, but not, not uh, no. It's, it's definitely in the top five. It's got, you know, it's got all the greats. It's got, uh, what's his name? As um, Tim Curry. Tim Curry. Yeah. As Long John Silver. Okay, but let's talk about the Muppets. Who they are as a at a at their core <laughs> is a family of weirdo performers, mm-hmm. and that's what a Muppet Family Christmas delivers. But they put on okay, such a we're great performance about, of yeah. Muppet Treasure Island, they, and and the greatest adaptation of A Christmas Carol. Okay, first of all, Bert and Ernie put together the. Sesame Street Christmas pageant, which is a part of Muppet Family Christmas. So, yes, they do perform. Also, they do a good musical. They do uh, a musical variety act at the end of the episode as well. Also, let's talk about range. They are singing traditional Christmas carols, such as I Saw Three Ships, all the way up through Jingle Bell Rock, all the way to Broadway classics, such as We Need a Little Christmas. So I really, I mean, it shows off the range of the Muppets. (laughs) It shows off their, who they are at their core as a family of performing weirdos. Um, It is truly what Jim Hansen wanted and how he would have wanted to be remembered as. Because as you will know, A Muppet uh, Christmas Carol was the first production that was done without Jim Henson. And if you're suggesting that something that was done without Jim Henson was better than the things that he did, I'm sorry, that is blasphemy. <laughs> Let's just get that right out. Weren't you just the person who just poo-pooed the Dark Crystal? No, I was just saying that they're not like a part, I mean, they're not they're not a part of the MCU. <laughs> which of the, course the is the Muppet, Muppet Cinematic, Cinematic Universe. Universe. <laughs> Oh, God. You know, not in the same. It's like they're they're like on that tier of like all the Netflix shows that came out about like what uh, Daredevil and all that Jessica Jones. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's on that level. All right, it's uh, good, it's great, but it's not. It is not what we know as the MCU, of course, being the Muppet Cinematic Universe. Well, also now that we've all given all three of our correct answers. <laughs> Two of you are wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, it's it's you. <laughs> you're, you're the wrong one. So, listeners, if you mm. want to chime in with the comments or send us an email at some nerds have an email at gmail.com with who mm-hmm. you think is correct about what is the right answer as to what is the best Muppet film, <laughs> send us an email at some nerds have an email at gmail.com. Uh, 
that wasn't forced uh, audience participation at all. Anyway, <laughs> Nick, I think you had something else you wanted to say. Uh, did I? I don't know. Oh, the other, this is all... Oh, yeah, the other thing that she was wrong about. That's I would, I'm not wrong about this. I am very correct about this. Okay, so there are children on the internet, specifically TikTok, uh, who are wrong about things. Uh, the children, what the children are wrong about in TikTok today is a new segment on Some Nerds Have a Podcast uh, called Children Who Are Wrong in the Internet Today. Did you just... All right. Did you just, like, turn... Get past 30 and then, like... No, no, we're, we're, we're getting on the kids now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, listen, like, I am really... I'm a big fan of Gen Z. I think they're doing a great job. I think they... You know, as soon as they quit the Tide Pods, they really came into their own. Uh, but sometimes they're wrong about things, you know, and that's okay. We all we all are wrong, and we live and we learn. Okay, um, it's it's part of growing as a human being. All, all right? right, but all this right. is the thing that they're wrong at. Now they're right about a lot of things. Ratatouille the musical is going to slap. All right, that is true. I've seen I've seen I've right? seen stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's that sounds like it's going to be pretty cool. So they are correct. About Ratatouille the musical. That and they the Avatar are... musical. Oh my god. Oh yeah, Avatar the Last Airbender. It's, I have not it's actually seen this good. one. Elise has been Elise has been showing me bits of the Ratatouille musical. Because I know I that it like that one yet. I know the Ratatouille musical tortures you, but I feel like you'd get actual joy out of the Avatar the Last Airbender that's musical. Probably true. So that's why I haven't shared any videos with you. Because <laughs> we're in like, month eight of quarantine, so I just torture you now. Right. <laughs> um Okay, so inspired by the Tumblr post of, uh, you know, think of a classic book or movie, uh, what character, what actor remains, replace everybody else with Muppets, right? Mm -hmm. So they have been pushing for, and now I agree with this, I think it needs to happen, uh, Muppet Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Uh, which... Has not happened, and but should happen. Which character would be which? Which character would be the okay. human? So here is... No, they're just doing it all with Muppets. Oh, just all... No, okay. Okay. So they're just saying, fuck the humans, just with Muppets. <laughs> How do we do fuck, mu fuck uh, Muppet Pride Muppets. and Prejudice? Okay. And the wrong opinion. Here's the wrong opinion. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The wrong opinion is that Miss Piggy and Kermit are Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. That is incorrect. Okay. That's not, mm -mm, that's not their energy. All right. Their energy as the stars of the Muppets. Kermit is Darcy. Piggy is Lizzie. If you disagree with me, you can fucking fight me. All right. So here's, here's why that's wrong. Because none of the, n in no other Muppet adaptation of a classic work of literature are Kermit and Miss Piggy the main characters. But they're the main characters of the Muppets. I, I agree. Yeah. But they're not, they're not the main characters in Muppet Christmas Carol. They're not the main characters in Muppet Treasure Island. But like, like they, they, they have the humans Henry. for that role. Like, like, yeah, exactly. You have to have and at least one human to be the main character in that role. That, and that's the point I'm trying to make, is that they are way better as Mr. and Mrs. Bennett because while I do agree with you, Miss Piggy would make for an excellent Elizabeth Bennett, 
like Kermit is all wrong for Mr. Darcy. What are you talking? He's so put upon. He is put and, upon and distressed. But he's and not. He can be pretty mopey. Like he's let's not, be real but here. he's not arrogant. He has he's his not, moments. No, he's not. He has his moments where he's, he's not. Do you remember the Muppets 2009? He got a little arrogant in that one. Yeah. I know some people debate whether or not that's truly canon, but I mean, there there are times. He's he's too kind-hearted to be to be Darcy. Like like openly kind-hearted, which I think is more of a Mr. Bennett situation all the way. And Picky is totally the kind of like as we saw in uh, in Muppet Christmas Carol, the best Muppet movie ever made. <laughs> that blasphemer. That Piggy is like a very like doting matronly figure. She can be. She can also be hot as hell. She can be. I'm I'm saying I'm saying that she would be a good Elizabeth Bennet. I'm just disagreeing about Kermit being a good Mr. Darcy. So then, where would you put Kermit? That, that's why Kermit They is, have to end up together. I know. So that's, that's why, why they're Kermit Mr. and Mrs. Darcy. Darcy. That's why they're the perfect... Or Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Bennett. Oh that's God. why they're the best choice for that. And then you would cast the humans as as the daughters, or maybe just Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. That would actually be hilarious if, like, Janet... And then, like, the other ones are just the pigs from... Like, the other pig daughters <laughs> yeah. from Muppet from Christmas Girl. Yeah, yeah. yeah 100%. And but, it's just, like, Lizzie, our weird daughter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think this it is... fits. It fits the, thematically. It fits their characters. I don't see like this is why you're wrong. <laughs> I I gotta I gotta say at least his argument is compelling. Mm. Mm. That that's why that one is why like the other the other things is just like a matter of like personal taste and I will concede like it is it is excellent like Muppet Family Christmas is wonderful. I just happen to like Muppet Christmas Carol more. And I think I think you have to admit a lot of your opinion of Muppet Family Christmas is rose tinted. Oh. Well, I'm just saying because like you grew up watching it and I didn't. Mm. Like I first saw it when I was an adult and I'm like it's it's very charming and it's adorable and I love it. And it's the best. And it's a new family tradition for you. It is a tr- new family tradition. It's a for new me. family Christmas mm-hmm. for you. And I think that a Muppet family Christmas. And I still think that Muppet Christmas Carol is better. However, <laughs> that, that's re- beside the point because I do legitimately think that that having Kermit play Mr. Darcy is the wrong choice. Okay. I, I think that I don't think he has that energy. Sam the Eagle is Collins, though, right? Like, yeah. we can all agree with that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Wait, is he the military officer? No, no, no. Collins oh. is, the, is the priest, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Wait, okay. now I have to look this up. <laughs> it, I have not read that book since high school, so I don't remember the names of the minor characters. Um, I don't know. I, it, it, well, but the military, the military officer is the one that ends up being the scoundrel. No, right? but he's like a cad. And, yeah, and okay, like, yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't fit. Sam the Eagle is not a cad. That doesn't fit. You're right, you're right, you're right. So who would, uh, yeah, who Fozzie? would be, who? No. no. Yeah. Collins is the, is the reverend. Um, no, it's gotta be like, you know, the turkey from a Muppet family Christmas mm. <laughs> has <laughs> the correct kind of cad energy. Yeah. Um, maybe Gonzo. Yeah. Maybe Gonzo. I could see. No, I definitely could see Gonzo. I don't know this turkey, right? but I could see Gonzo. So then what two human actors? Are we going with like Kiera Knightley and 
what's his face that wasn't Colin Colin Firth? <laughs> um, I don't know. God, that, yeah, that's hard. like that would be kind of funny if you just if you just recast people from like <laughs> other adaptations. That <laughs> you just like play it exactly the same way that they had done. You just before. play it completely straight, and there's just a bunch of Muppets hanging around. Well, but that's, that's like the makes, joy of that's Christmas. That's what makes Muppet, Muppet, yeah. uh, Muppet Christmas Carol so great is that is that Michael Caine is just playing it totally straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. He's one hundred percent like, no, I am. I'm a British actor. Yeah, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play know. a Dickens character like Dickens would have wanted. And Tim Curry is playing his best Tim Curry impression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's weird. like they're both. But the, see, that's the other thing about the Muppets adaptations is like, while that casting is great, mm-hmm. it's also weird as hell. <laughs> yeah, like. Michael Caine is a great Scrooge, but it's like, who the fuck would have thought about that? <laughs> but like, truly, he couldn't be Scrooge in, in any, any other, other adaptation. adaptation. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And it's and the same thing with Tim Curry as, as Long, Long John, John Silver. Silver is a great choice, but like, who the fuck would have thought of that? <laughs> Brian Henson. Brian Henson thought Brian of it. Henson. I don't know. Is is okay? Which is the weirder casting choice? Um, is it, is it, uh, Tim Curry as Long John Silver in, uh, the Muppet Treasure Island? Or is it Charlton Heston as Long John Silver in, like, that made-for-TV movie version? Oh, God. No, but, like, Tim, it makes, in context, Tim Curry makes sense, right? Like, in context... You need somebody it, with that Broadway bravado it does, it does. to play off of the Muppets. Charlton Heston, because that was a very, like, straight adaptation, right? right. Yeah. So that that is but, weird. But I'm saying, yeah, that's that's bizarre. Like, that's a weird choice. Yeah. But, that, but what I'm saying for the for the Muppets is, like, for, for, for this uh, imaginary Muppet uh, Pride and Prejudice we're trying to come up with, is who is, like, who would be perfect in those roles... Who would never be cast in anything mm. else? Oh God! Like that's that's the energy you gotta find. I don't know. Find... I don't know that many modern actors. Yeah, and that's kind of the, the problem that I'm running into as well. Is it um? Oh crap! What's her name? Donna <laughs> from Doctor Who. Oh, Catherine Tate. Catherine Tate. Is it Catherine Tate? Is Lizzie Bennet? Oh, she's a little <laughs> too old for it. Like. Like maybe ten years ago. I know, yeah. But at this point, it's like I she like it's beyond the point of like like plausible deniability yeah. of like she's a teenager. That's fair. That is fair. Um, um, but I think I think you're on the right path with that. Like that's a really good choice. Because it's it's gonna be somebody who like would never get that role. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It would have to be somebody that wouldn't necessarily get that role. That, but that can play well with the Muppets. Benedict that Cumberbatch. That has, like, the personality. Benedict Cumberbatch I was, as Mr. Darcy. I was going to say, actually, I was going to say, going off the Catherine Tate thing, I was going to say uh, David Tennant mm. as Mr. Darcy. But, like, I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch, like, that's his wheelhouse, right? Mm-hmm. Is period pieces. Yeah. You know, and, like... I, I, you know, had they remade Pride and Prejudice for the millionth time in like 2015 or something, I feel like Benedict Cumberbatch would have 100% been on the short list. Yeah. For, for, um, 
for Darcy. Same with like Eddie Redmayne. It's like yeah, would like, be a I really like good choice, but it's like a little the obvious. very obvious choice mm. as well. Mm. It like, needs to be it needs to be a weird like, like Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Actually though, you're right. <laughs> Can you get him to play it straight? Oh my god. Yeah, oh yeah, what No, 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 because he he will. He will play things straight. Like if you've ever if like Sweeney Todd, Sweeney I think Todd, is a really yeah, good example that. of that. Um he's been in some other stuff where he's like, like He's also at Cambridge, like you have to remember, he like as weird as Borat, as as out there as his stuff is, he at the end of the day, we're talking about like a Cambridge educated, blue blooded British man, right? Sasha Baron Cohen. Um, you know what? He should play opposite his real life Isla Fisher. Mm. Yes. Who's yes. another? Yeah. Yes. And and I think we get them and then cast the Muppets in the surrounding roles. And this is the only version of Pride and Prejudice that I want now. Yeah, Alex, if you if you're wondering if if Sasha Baron can go uh, Baron Cohen can do it. Like, everyone knows him for, like, you know, Borat and Bruno and all of those things. Mm-hmm. But he was also in the 2012 version of Les Miserables. Okay. Like. <laughs> he was, was also, yeah, and he was in Sweeney Todd. He was like, in Sweeney Todd. Like, he has an, an amazing voice. Um, he was in. It's really a disturbing. Um. Because <laughs> he? he's been in, he's been in other things where it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, I can't. Maybe not. Maybe it was. Maybe I was just thinking of Les Mis and uh, Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he he's he's got some acting, like some actual acting chops too. Um, yeah. No, I think I think you're right. I because he would actually... he would not be cast in that role in any other production. Yeah. Right. Isla Fisher looks perpetually twenty two. Yeah. Um. Even though she's also in her forties. Uh, I think I think that's it. Yeah, that is. Oh, yeah. Universe, make this happen. <laughs> like, all right. So but... you've come around to my way of thinking on this one now. Now that we've casted the humans, yeah, I I can see it. Yeah, I can kind of see it. All right. Well, I guess we'll have to uh, submit. You'll have to submit a uh, proposal to the TikTok <laughs> yeah. community. Yeah. Send an email to Brian Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Or just make a TikTok with your with your suggestions. I mean, well, that like, is how things get made on that TikTok. Is, that yep. is how things like get made it on is TikTok. the it is truly TikTok is like the Jungian collective unconscious. <laughs> 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 like if you needed proof of that concept, oh my god, that's what TikTok that's, is. That's that's yeah. Okay, I can see it. Uh, so God, what else have we like? How was how was Halloween? It's Halloween now because we didn't record it all in the month of October. Yep, it's Halloween plus twelve, also known as Trans Halloween. Um, so hey, tomorrow's Friday the thirteenth. So it, it Hall- is Friday the thirteenth. We may be uploading on Friday the thirteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah. So we'll see well, what happens. The second, the second, the second Friday the thirteenth of twenty twenty. Oh, what happened on the first Friday the thirteenth? Did anything the fir- fun happen? The first one was. <laughs> It was when the lockdown happened. Oh, fun! Yay! Yay. We went from Friday the Thirteenth to Friday the Thirteenth without going outside (laughs) once. Jesus! Oh God, not really, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So, how was your Halloween, Alex? Uh, my Halloween was fine. I worked the day and then uh, 
stayed up and watched uh, an American Werewolf in London with my sister. Oh, I love that she, movie. She'd never seen it before, so oh, I uh, so got good. to show it. Yeah, it was it was it was good. Second time around, third time around, however many times I've seen it at this point. Yeah, she liked it. She uh, she wasn't expecting it to be as goofy as it was, of course. Oh yeah, that I, movie's goofy <laughs> as hell. I didn't tell her it was like a dark comedy, but you know, she liked it. She enjoyed it. Not much more to comment on it. The film came out what in the early like the seventy nine, eighty one. I want to say ah, something like that. Late seventies, early nineties. Yeah, uh, early eighties. Early eighties. But yeah, um, so that was you know wore a witch costume, watched a, a movie, ate a bunch of candy, and then went to bed. Uh, how about you? What did you all do on Halloween? 1981, by the way. Okay. Um, we, you know, we've been watching, I don't know, I, I talked Elisa into watching some horror movies uh, leading up to it. I watched some on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about some of them, because I actually, I put them in a list, because I'm like, oh shit, I gotta remember to talk about some of these movies. <laughs> Um, and now it's been a month, and I'm like, what were they called again? I think the first one was called um, As Above, So Below. I've heard of that. I've heard of that. I'm I'm going to recommend it to you. Okay. It's on Netflix. It is not it is not much of a horror film. Mm-hmm. It is it like it is there is some spooky stuff that happens in it. Spooky. Um, and there are some like some kills i don't know i think it's more i would describe it more as actually here's here's how i would describe it okay if if uh indiana jones wound up in an hp lovecraft story okay um is kind of what that that movie is it is about an archaeologist a young woman who it is like carrying on her father's research of trying to find the philosopher's stone. Um, Sounds and, all above board. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's a found footage movie. Love it. And basically the, the found footage is us. Okay. And we're documenting our, our search for this, for this artifact. And it starts off. She's underneath, like she's in these, these mines or some like some caverns underneath like Tehran or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and she like, they're like, Oh man, they're about to blow up this tunnel. Like we can't like, you're not even supposed to be in the country. (laughs) Like, but this guy like takes her down there, like as they're in the process of like demolishing it. And so that's kind of the cold open for the movie. Mm -hmm. And then, um, like that's where she finds these, the, uh, this inscription, for like where to find it. And she figures out that it is uh, in the Paris catacombs. Uh, and so the movie, the rest of the movie is about her going to Paris and like putting a team together to like help her get down into the catacombs and find this secret chamber that like nobody knows is there where the philosopher's stone is supposed to be hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really good (laughs) like there's a lot of like like it's very claustrophobic there's a lot of like neat like traps and things that are set up and then after a while just like shit gets weird and like very cosmic horror Mm. for like the last like 20 or 30 minutes of the movie um so i don't really want to spoil it but it is 
it's so it, it is one of the better horror films and and especially like considering it came out kind of when everyone was like getting over the found footage stuff mm-hmm. like that was the reason why i, I had never watched it because i was kind of in that same boat too it was like ugh, another found for- footage horror movie but it it, it is it uses the limitations of found footage very well um and it is a movie that is clearly only found footage because it's like it because oh, of budgetary constraints um like oh well we can hide the fact that we can't actually show this thing happening but if we make it fo- found footage we can uh, imply that it happens sort mm. of a thing okay uh, so that one that I, I highly recommend that one. Uh, another one that I watched on my own was called He Never Died, um, which is another one that's on Netflix. Uh, it stars Henry Rollins, and this is this is another one that I won't give too much away, but I will kind of. I'll basically sum up the movie. It's it's not one that I would call. It's another one that I wouldn't really call horror. Like, there are definitely horror elements to it, mm-hmm. um, but the movie is basically supernatural John Wick. Okay. Like, <laughs> that's the best way I can describe it. Uh, Henry Rollins is the main character, uh, the same guy who played the season three villain for Korra. Mm. Um, and... Basically, from the start of the movie, you're like, okay, there's something weird about this guy. What's weird about him? And then you find out, like, at the very end, but they kind of, like, tease it out a little bit uh, as it goes on. So, like, you get extra, like, okay, here's another thing that's weird about him. Have you put (laughs) it together yet? Uh, Which is kind of cool. So it's something that benefits from a second viewing? I don't know if it like because like once they kind of reveal what it is, it's like oh okay, all the parts have kind of fit together, and it was very, it was very close to kind of what I was thinking it was going to be, but it wasn't exactly. Okay. Um, so I don't want to really spoil again. Don't want to spoil too much of it. But basically, the setup for the movie is he's this guy. He lives in New York in like this shitty rundown apartment, and like he he goes to bingo and he goes to the same diner and he just has this very like regimented routine life Mm -hmm. and then one day a young woman shows up who turns out to be a daughter that he never knew that he had um and she owes like a lot of money to some very bad people sort of a thing um so he kind of like no, hold on. It's not. That's not exactly what that is. But she does get kind of like caught up in. There's someone else who owes a lot of money to some very bad people that he kind of is involved with in this very tangential way. Mm-hmm. And then they like he ends up like getting entangled in that, and then his daughter ends up getting entangled in it as well as a result. And so like a lot of very bad people get very badly hurt by this weird man that you from one moment to the next are not quite sure exactly what his deal is. <laughs> okay. Um, it's, it's another one that's like, absolutely. I think it's worth a watch. 
Uh, I kind of compared it to John Wick. It came out several years before it. So it's like the action scenes aren't as like perfectly choreographed as that movie. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think I always think that Henry Rollins is like a fun actor. <laughs> He's just because the the character he plays is so weird and so his like v- he has this very like monotone kind of delivery that just amps it up uh that I really appreciated. So those were the one, some of the ones that I watched kind of on my own this year that are that were new. Uh, at least you want to talk about some of the ones that I forced you to sit through. Uh, <laughs> um, gosh, what ones we watched? So we watched Jennifer's Body. Oh yeah, we oh, did. Uh, okay. It was a little. It was a little disappointing after all the buildup. Yeah. So like, I was in high school when it came out because that's how fucking old I am. No, I wasn't. I was in college. Jesus Christ, I'm basically dead. Mm-hmm. Um. Are you looking up? Are you? I hear the clickety clack. Are you looking up the uh, when when that came out? Yeah, two thousand nine. Oh God, I was in college. All right, yeah, no, 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 I was in college. Um, so I was in college when it came out, and it was supposed. It was like really anticipated because like Juno had come out, and it's written by the same acclaimed scre- screenwriter as Juno. Um, it kind of flopped. It had like really. I remember. The really bad marketing. Mm. Um, and it was one of those things that's like, what is this? Like, who is this for? Like, oh, and then I was like, oh, whatever. It's just like people, you know, like women getting fetishized and, you know, women in fridges and whatever. And which is not actually what the movie is at all, um, despite its market marketing. Um, and then over the years, it's kind of gotten like a, a cult following. Um, and especially among bisexual women. Um, And so it's gotten like a big cult following. And then um, we had been watching Dan Drambles on YouTube and he had 31 days of wholesome Halloween. And so kind of doing YouTube, like these really short, like 15, 10, 15 minute YouTube videos about like different um, horror movies that you could go see if you're not like super into horror. It's like horror and Halloween related media. So like, some of them were like books, some of them were movies, some of them were TV, TV shows and specials. Um, just kind of like, you know, like, hey, if this is something you're interested, here's like a smattering of things that won't, you know, aren't too gory, aren't too crazy, aren't too out there, right? <laughs> and so he was like, you should, you know, everyone should watch Jennifer's Body. And it was one of those things where it's like, I'd heard about it being a cult classic for a while. And so I was like, okay, well, like, let's watch it. Let's like, you know, I was, I was pretty amped. And I think it was, like, because it was so amped, it was a little bit of a letdown. Um, do you care if you get spoiled? Have you seen it? I've not seen it, but I've I've seen enough synopses of it that I'm pretty well spoiled on it already. Okay. So, I guess, uh, spoilers for a 10-year-old movie. 11-year-old. Um, 11. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. I say I'm that, sorry. I say that next year we just all agree that this year didn't happen, and next year it's is the just gas 2020. It's a gas leak year. Yeah, yeah next like, year is 2020. Next year is the real 2020. This yeah. one is like 2020, like, version one. Um, are we, are we going to keep doing that until the, um, the date? Until we get it right. <laughs> Put it out on TikTok, and the TikTok scenes will make it happen, okay? <laughs> like, collective unconscious. I feel like they didn't push hard enough for the end of daylight savings time, because mm-hmm. we could have ended that this year. Um, such a garbage year. So anyway, so Jennifer's body, um, 
Jennifer and her best friend. So it's Amanda Siegfried and um, Megan Fox. So Megan Fox is the titular Jennifer. Um, She's kind of like the cool girl at school. And Amanda Siegfried is sort of her nerdy best friend um, who also apparently has a crush on her. Um, And they go to... Uh, they go to a bar and um, they go a to a bar. What? There's a band playing there. Yeah, there's a band playing there that Jennifer's obsessed with. Um, so they go to the bar. They're kind of like this emo. Like I heard their their song and I was just like, I feel like I heard this song in 2009. Yeah. Um, even from like eight <laughs> like, different bands. From like eight different bands. Like they really they aesthetically captured um the late 2000s in a way that made me feel deeply uncomfortable (laughs) and um so the bar there's an there's an accident at the bar and it ends up burning down a lot of people end up losing their lives and jennifer and amanda seedfried so megan fox and amanda seedfried somehow make it out okay um then megan fox gets lured away by the band um, and they drive off and Amanda Siegfried just goes home. And then you find out that like some shit happened. You think that she gets raped and then you find out that instead, um, they were Satanist trying to make a deal with the devil to become a, a goal you could only have had in the year of our Lord 2009. Um, but they wanted to be the next big emo band. Mm-hmm. Oh God, what a what a dumpster fire decade the two thousands was. <laughs> so anyway, um, but they needed a virgin. Ha ha, she's not quite a full virgin. So it ends up like the demon ends up inherit like uh, possessing Megan Fox, who then kind of goes on this killing spree. <laughs> um, I wish. And, and then it all kind of ends up tying up nicely in the end. And so a couple of things that I won't get too much into that, but um, I wish if the premise, if the idea that you had, which was a really solid idea, was, you know, sexualized woman, you know, sexualized girl getting revenge, you should have made the boys that she takes out like shittier. Like, none of them are really that bad. And having having had to be a cis, not even a cis woman, just a fucking woman in the 2000s, you know, in high school or whatever, like, there was a lot worse shit going on. I don't know why I said cis. The, anybody could have been. But, like, you know, there was a lot more fucked up shit happening in that decade. And especially from, like, the woman that wrote Juno, yeah, I was expecting it to be more real and more authentic, and it just, it just wasn't. And, and one of the things that we talked about after we watched it was, it was like it would be better to have it kind of be a ramp up, you know, where yeah. it's like she starts off killing, the, like, oh, that guy, yeah, he kind of deserved it. You know, that guy maybe deserved it a little bit less, but like the first person that she kills after being possessed, like. First of all, they made they made him a football guy, and so it's like okay, you, it could have been a shithead. Yeah, you could have just written a like a basic like football guy shithead, but instead it's someone who's just like 
his best friend was one of the people who died in the fire and like jennifer goes to him like acting like she's she wants to like comfort him and stuff and so it's it's not like it's a very like okay here's someone who's like he's not afraid to express his emotions like she approaches him like there's no interaction between those characters earlier in the movie and we watched the unrated cut too so it's like it's not even we watched like the one like maybe they got cut out and then they put it back in in another version it was very much like no he's just kind of like a sweet dumb boy (laughs) yeah and who gets killed for like no reason it's like come on yeah like you could have you could have easily made him a shithead yeah you know like give me i mean not that i'm not advocating for sexual assault here but it's like somebody could have grabbed her ass somebody could have like said something shitty to her you know and 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 yeah there could have been and really the only people and this is and this is kind of i think the biggest cinema sin <laughs> of this movie is the fact that the cathartic moment where like Amanda Sidfried like breaks out of jail, um, somehow she ends up in jail. No, she winds uh, up in a, a mental asylum. In jail, and she ends up in a mental asylum. They, they That's blame because right. she. Well, I mean, we're already in spoiler territory for this. Yeah. Movie. At the end of the movie, she ends up killing Jennifer, um, and and then like and gets caught like red-handed and is like, oh no, she was possessed by a demon. So they like you know they 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 lock her away. <clears throat> Um, and that's kind of like the movie's told in like a framing story where like we see her in the asylum at the beginning of the movie and then it's like you're probably wondering how I wound up in this crazy yeah. situation. Um so so but what ends up happening is like because then through the course of the movie now she's no longer a virgin. Um I don't think she was before the movie started either. It's implied maybe that not. she and her yeah, boyfriend have, have sex have, pretty regularly. Okay then. Um so because she's not a virgin um, the demon ends up possessing her body, and so she gains a bunch of superpowers, and she uses her superpowers to break out of jail. Um, and the cathartic moment happens after the fucking credits have started, where she goes to the she goes to the hotel where the shit the shitty emo band is staying, right? Who now have like a number one single um throughout the country they end up like capitalizing on the the tragic bar fire um and everybody sing starts singing the song as like their anthem of their like stupid little podunk town um so she goes and like slaughters them all but you don't even get to see it you just see it through security footage which is like i guess kind of neat but i'm like to me i'm like that's the cathartic moment. Like that's her becoming a fully realized character Mm -hmm. that needs to be played up more instead of like, it was kind of, it was almost placed in like a gag at the end. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, that's not where the narrative, that's that's the culmination of her character. Yeah. Like that should have been, it it should not have been tangentially related to the narrative. There's, let's go ahead. No, no, no. You say your thing. Uh, I was going to, I was going to say that, um, have you seen or familiar with YouTuber uh, James Summerton? No. Okay. So the name sounds familiar, but I don't remember. Gotcha. Uh, he does a lot of uh, YouTube like um, video essays about queer representation in media, mm-hmm. mm. and he released a video uh, about 
a bunch of queer representation in horror films. I, oh, actually, that, yes. I, it's been showing up on my recommendations, but isn't it, like, super long? It's, like, an hour and a half long, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's why we uh, haven't watched because, it. Because I was like, oh, I want to watch got... this, and Elise was like, no. <laughs> we were just both talking about how we don't like watching hour and a half long youtube videos unless they have good visuals it's got it's got basically it breaks up into nine or ten mini uh entries because it's dealing with nine different movies Mm -hmm. so if you wanted to break it up like that you could watch one at a time or you could skip to that particular one and watch that um but anyway uh, he was talking about jennifer's body as is a queer reading of jennifer's body uh, Mm -hmm. with uh the relationship between the two female leads um, yeah so i don't know oh, that was that was kind of what i had seen he also released another uh video before that uh about other uh, like like he's done a couple about horror films horror cinema so mm-hmm. anyway i just that that oh sorry i just wanted to, to bring that up but go ahead please oh i was gonna just gonna say like the relationship between uh the two female leads is like really groundbreaking especially for the year that it was released Mm -hmm. um and i think that that's kind of what a lot of people like gravitate to Mm -hmm. and like why people like think it like the movie is like really good i don't know i i yeah it was the best part of the movie yeah but now it's like i think i think if i had watched it in 2009 Mm -hmm. um i think i think one if that movie had actually been properly marketed and that was the other thing too i remember reading interviews with diablo cody shortly after that happened and her just being like nobody understood it nobody got it and like it really sucks because like amanda Siegfried and and megan fox really believed in the property and um yeah and so i think if it had been properly marketed which never would have fucking happened in 2009 Mm -hmm. i think people forget like how really how far we've come over the last decade um i think i would have been one of those people like you know holding i guess holding a candle holding a flame for uh for jennifer's body um i think i would have really gotten into it but now one as more of an adult and two having had much better i mean it's not great it's not perfect but like better representation um i don't feel like not not to say that it doesn't hold up or anything like i don't know it that aspect of it definitely does it, hold. It, it holds it holds up but like i don't know what i'm trying to say like, it could have been like... it could have been so much better right yeah it's the it is less than the sum of its parts i think is probably yeah. the best way to describe that's a that good movie. that's good a way of, of, like, of phrasing it like there are parts of it that are really really good um but it's just like the way that they're put together it just it doesn't fully work i don't think i think it the script itself needed more workshopping yeah. and i think because diablo cody had kind of become for a very brief moment, a mm-hmm. household name really, truly overnight. Um, I think people gave her a lot of leeway mm-hmm. and that's why it didn't get, I don't think it got as polished as it could have been. And then it really sucks because it's like, I don't, she hasn't really done a lot of stuff since, since then. then. Yeah, that's true. Or at least nothing like uh, really, really big. Yeah. 
it was like Juno and then that happened and then that got panned and it shouldn't have been panned. Like it's, it's definitely like, it's better than a lot of our other horror movies that were coming out in 2009. Oh yeah. For damn sure. Um, Let's see. She wrote young adult. Oh God. She was an, Um, Oh, she did write what? She's an uncredited uh, writer in evil dead 2013. Really? Was she? (laughs) You know what? That makes sense. That's a good movie. That that movie that might be the one of the better horror remakes of that time period. Uh, she also wrote United States of Terror. Mm, that's right. Yeah, she did. Um, and also Ricky and the Flash, which okay. I don't even know what that is. Um, it was it was a really bad Meryl Streep movie back when we thought Meryl Streep could do no wrong. Mm. Um, which is probably still is, true. I was about to Ricky say, is that Flash, not still the case? <laughs> oh, but Ricky and the Flash. Ooh. Um. But yeah, we watched that, and then we watched another one that kind of is in that same subgenre mm. uh, of uh, of female horror films. We watched Ginger Snaps. Which do you think was the better movie, Elise? No, neither of them were super great. No, and both true. of them, I was expecting more. Yeah, I was I was um, a little disappointed by Ginger Snaps as well. I mean, I guess Jennifer's Body. I don't know Ginger Ginger. So Ginger Snaps. Um, you just have these, like, two. I did like the relationship between the sisters, and I like that it focused. Um, but basically, it's, like, these two Canadian? They're Canadian? Yeah, it's, it's Canadian. Um, and That's why everyone was playing hockey all the time in yeah. that movie. Like, all the goddamn time, there's hockey going on. God. Um, but they're, like, two high school students, and they're, they're just, you know, they're weird. Like, they, they make up, like, funny death photos um in their spare time um they do like photo essays of like just showing themselves and dying in different positions that was honestly my favorite part Um, of the whole movie yeah when like they were showing that photo montage during the credits at the beginning and then it was like oh they're showing this to their class yeah yeah yeah. okay i love these characters that was a good reveal um one of them gets bit by a werewolf and then turns into a werewolf. Well, like st- slowly starts to turn. So into a slowly werewolf. starts to turn into a werewolf, and like the other sister is trying to keep things under control. She wants to find a cure, and the other sister is like becoming more distant. I feel like it was a really clunky metaphor for something. It was. It would um, definitely had to do with like puberty and like growing up, right? Because like yeah. the mom was making a big deal about how how both of them had gotten like had gone so like because I think one's like they're like Irish twins. Like one's like 16 and one's 15 or something like that. And like, neither of them have gotten their period yet. And their mom was making a huge deal about it. And then ginger gets her first one on the night that the werewolf attacks her. Remember? Cause like, yeah. cause they, that was like the thing the next day was, it's just like, Oh, you're finally a woman. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of funny how they keep like covering it up. Mm-hmm like what's actually going on and then like at one point but like the mom ends up turning into like this ride or die bitch (laughs) who's just like yeah you know what we're just gonna leave your dad we're gonna burn down uh we're gonna burn down the house we're gonna pretend like none of this ever happened we're gonna cure your sister of her werewolf like i love that the mom just doesn't even question like once she finds out that like her daughter turned into a werewolf she's just like we're going to we're going to cure her and then they she finds out that they killed like two people two or three people at this point and she's just like we're going to burn down the house we're going to take the insurance money we're going to leave your father 
were just like, and she's just like ride or die the whole time. And I was like, damn, like I was not expecting that, but like, I kind of like this. I kind of dig it. Mm. I, <laughs> um, I and liked... it has a really un, Oh, sorry. Oh no, like... go, go ahead. I was just going to say it has a really unresolved ending. Yeah. Um, which I, I don't know. The ending is better than the ending for Jennifer's body. Mm-hmm. If you just look at everything that happens leading up to the credits. Right. Um, cause I feel like the shit that happens in the credits shouldn't fucking count. And that was a really big misstep. I mean, that, that is something that like, Roger Ebert famously argued is like, once the credit starts, your movie is over. Yeah. Like you can't have story after you the credits You can't have story starts. offer. Yeah. And, and so it's a really, it's a really unresolved ending, which kind of, that was the part that gave me like the most unease mm-hmm. throughout this whole horror film. It was just like, is you know, she's just there. I think like her sister dies at the end. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they, well, they and, end up killing. Uh, they, they kill uh, Ginger. They have to kill Ginger, um, who's now gone full werewolf, and she's just sitting there like holding her sister's lifeless like werewolf body. Really good uh, werewolf effects in that movie. Yeah, especially I mean, it was like a low budget mm-hmm. kind of indie horror film, so. Um, I mean, they did a really great job with it. What were you going to say? Oh, I was going to say, I think one of my favorite aspects of the movie is that, like, the Van Helsing character who kind of, like, knows more about the supernatural is, like, this shitty, like, high school dropout who just sells drugs to the people in town. Like, their fucking drug dealer ends up being their Van Helsing. It's great, because he's, like, oh, yeah, like, because he makes a joke about, like, uh like a lycanthrope and then the sister's like oh yeah i think i saw one of those the other night and he's like what um and then he like kind of becomes involved in their story and is like researching like ways to like cure werewolfism um it's he's great like he's a great character and like him and the sister have really good chemistry um i don't know i like i liked it. it yeah it was another one of those movies where it's like it keeps getting hyped. It kept getting hyped up to me as like, oh yeah, this is a great film, and I watch it and like it, it's 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 fun. It's certainly like I feel like werewolf movies don't get made enough these days. Yeah, but it's like both that one and Dog Soldiers are like really good, but like that's about it. <laughs> yeah, like there's nothing. I don't think there's anything like super duper special about it. Um. Oh, what we watched something else too. Um, oh, Night of the Living Dead. We we watched the original Night of the Living Dead. So you've never seen that before. Um, which apparently is in the public domain, and several people have made play versions of it, mm-hmm. um, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, but honestly, like I could see that translating to stage really well. Mm-hmm. Um, because ninety percent of the action just happens in the house. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think you could do some really cool stuff with like puppetry, and I think you could you know, to be the zombies. And I think you could do some really cool and interesting. Sorry. I majored in theater <laughs> for the people who like, I, I, I if you're just joining us, know me. if you're just joining us, if you're just joining us <laughs> um, for this one episode, I majored in theater. And so that's why I like, sometimes I go on rants about theater. Um, but I, I actually think like night of the living dead would be a really fun production to, to do. I think there's, there's a lot that you can do with it. Um, man, that movie is about nothing. 
There is no metaphor. Yeah, there's no, um, no political message in that no movie. No political message. It's just, you know, fun, wholesome horror. God damn it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, famously, and I think we had, um, and we, we, we had our friend, um, Dr. Arnold uh, Bloomberg on here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, talking about it because I was that's uh, one of the things that one of his research topics I think he's like one of the foremost like zombie, zombie scholars, scholars. <laughs> zombie scholar um, and he wrote we actually own his book that is all about zombies mm-hmm. and starting with Night of the Living Dead um, so yeah so that was that was a huge joke the movie is about racism mm-hmm. um, <laughs> like that's it uh that's all it is that's that's what you, it's very like uh it is it was really really good um which seems like such a shitty understatement uh for a movie that basically defined zombie horror um but yeah it is really good and it is really interesting about like how and i think we've seen several youtube videos you know talking about like how zombies kind of reflect or are a stand-in for like whatever is the like great anxiety, like the great national anxiety for its time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is. So yeah, Night of the Living Dead is one hundred percent about racism. Um, I I think it's really interesting. I think it has like a lot of really interesting messages, especially when you look at Barbara mm-hmm. and who Barbara's character is, and then the wife of the man that they meet in the basement. Um, I think the movie intentionally or unintentionally has a lot to say specifically, you know, and this is because the election's on my mind um, to like white women and our role in like our, our specific role in perpetuating racism Mm -hmm. in America. Um, And how when white women align themselves with patriarchy, it's like, you will get safety. Um, You will never get freedom. And then eventually that safety will run out, right? Like Mm -hmm. eventually that security will run out. Um, So whether, whether that was like intentional or unintentional, or I was reading too much into it because fucking 55% of white women voted for Trump. Um, yeah. So that was that was one of the things that I took away from Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. It is I mean it is a very like philosophically dense movie mm-hmm. that is shot in like three locations for like no money. For like no money. <laughs> We're going to get some some locals to like wear this ratty coat clothing have them hold like chicken gizzards yeah. and cover them in chocolate sauce. Like hell. And that's that's the movie. Like hell, you could you could even have the introduction in the um in the graveyard be like in front of the curtain. And then yeah. just have like the house. We, we oh, 100. Talked about, yeah, we yeah. talked about that. <laughs> um yeah. Um yeah, there's so much there's so much that you could do with that. Um uh, I think like that is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Same, I've seen same. it so many times. 
Um, I picked, I finally, we, the reason we watched it was I picked up the, um, Criterion Collection Blu-ray, um, that was taken from the, uh, the 4K restoration that they did at the, uh, Metropolitan Museum, like the Museum of Modern Art in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, the MoMA. It's, and, and like, when they, sh- they screened it there, <laughs> um, God, it's so, it, it is so much about, like, racism in america without ever saying word one (laughs) about it Mm -hmm. it's just it's so it's just in the casting like that's all it is if they had casted a white guy for the lead role and according and according to uh doc doc what's his name dr bloomberg um Mm -hmm. Like that was that wasn't even an intentional casting when it was written. That's that's what that's, that's what, what, it, what George what it's Romero says. Uh-huh. But then you watch it and you're like, oh no no no! no. Like, like he knew what he was doing. Yeah, he 100. percent I I truly believe that he 100 percent knew what what he was doing all the time. Like, have you watched all the other movies in that series, Alex? I've watched Night of the Living Dead. I've I've watched Dawn of the Dead, and I think those okay. are the only two of the dead. Of Romero that I've seen. Yeah. Watch, um, if you get around, if you get the chance, Mm -hmm. watch Day of the Dead. And maybe if you like Day of the Dead, watch Land of the Dead. Because all of those movies are very much about very specific things happening in America at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, Night of the Living Dead is 100% about like racism in America. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, we've got this heroic black character who knows what to do, but no one's listening to him. And like at the end of the day, even though he survives, he gets shot by the fucking cops. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was like you don't think that that was about something. Yeah, like that wasn't intentional. Like, watching that like, movie in 2020, like mm. that ending has always been chilling to me, but like this year it like really got to me like worse than i think it did the first time i watched mm-hmm. it like it, it was whoo um so obviously that one's about that and then like uh dawn of the dead you know is about consumerism and capitalism and like mindless consumption and like consumption kind of being a band-aid over like the shit that we've gotten ourselves into because mm-hmm. like a lot of that movie is just them like fucking around the mall and just having fun but it's like oh yeah the world is ending outside <laughs> but we're still gonna be like you know concerned about wearing nice clothes and like getting a nice engagement ring and all the shit that they do like in the middle part of that movie mm-hmm. um and again, another another heroic black character. I was actually I saw a thing uh, recently. I don't know if you watched this video with me, Elise, but basically, where someone was making the argument that um, the two police officer characters in that movie hmm. are kind of like queer coded um, hmm. as like possibly being a couple, <laughs> uh, because like we've got three guys and a woman. And one of the guys is clearly in a romantic relationship with one of the women. And then the two guys are off kind of doing their own thing. Oh, oh you're talking about the cops in Dawn of the Dead. In Dawn Dead. of the Dead. Okay, I thought you were talking about the cops in Night of the Living no, no, Dead. No, no, and no. I Dawn, was like, the fuck? Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the um, Dead. But yeah. 
All right, so those, those movies. And then, like, Day of the Dead, a lot of people don't think is as good. But it's like, that movie is, it's very much about, like, militarization and, like, the end of the Cold War and Reagan's America. Because basically, by Day of the Dead, it's like, okay, everything is over. And basically the only humans that we are aware of that still are alive are like the military and scientists living in a bunker. Um, and everything else is just fucked. And it's, it is another one of those, like, I mean, Dawn and, and, and uh, day both or Dawn and um, night both did this too, where it's like, Oh, but the, the real threat comes from other people. But that is so much more like an idea in Day of the Dead. Like the military guys in Day of the Dead are just the worst people in the world. Um, like they just like they they just suck. And they just like the entire movie, they don't do anything redeemable. And like the scientist characters are like kind of redeemable because they're like kind of trying to understand the zombies and like maybe develop a cure. Um, but like the most redeemable character in that movie is a zombie <laughs> that they're like experimenting on. And then like all the soldier guys, it's like at the end when like everyone starts getting fucked up, it's like, yeah, good. <laughs> like the U S <laughs> military is the worst in that movie. Mm. And then land of the dead is just all about the Bush era, like post nine 11 because it is okay. Humanity has come back together after this attack. And we've got, like, we've retaken Philadelphia. Oh, no. Um, yeah, it's Philadelphia, I think. Because uh, that's where that's where George Romero's from. And basically, we've just, like, walled off Philadelphia. And we've got these rich fuckers living at the top of these, like, beautiful high-rises. And then just everyone else lives in squalor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's another one of these, like, anti-capitalist, like the rich are using this tragedy to like make themselves richer and exploit everybody else even harder. Um, that's the only one that also has like a really big name actor in it because well, like several of them, like John Leguizamo is in it and, um, uh, fucking what's his name. Um, I always blank on this actor's name, but, um, Oh God, I can't, I'm, I'm completely, is it the guy whose face you want to punch? No, 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 no. Um, John Leguizamo. Um, who else is in it? Dennis Hopper is like the leader of like the rich fuckers, which is just great casting. Um, yeah, that's. I don't know. I would want. I would recommend watching through that one. Um, fun cameo from Simon Pegg and Nick Frost is also in that movie because that was like the year after Shaun of the Dead came out. Um, They show up as like zombies in like a photo booth. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Like come, come get your picture taken with the zombies. Um, Yeah. So it's like, even like they're, they're like capitalizing on the dead in that movie. Mm -hmm. It's great. It's, it's like really, really good. Um, it's probably the weakest of all of those original four. But then like after that, they're just not worth Cause he did make like, he did a found footage one too. Um, that like nobody likes. <laughs> um, and that was basically like one of the last things he did, unfortunately. 
Uh, yeah. Oh, and uh, Night of the Demons. We watched that one, too. Which one was that? That was the one we watched uh, the day after Halloween. It was set on Halloween. The kids at the part throw the party at the, the old... Oh, my God. That one was so dumb. It was very dumb. And I think like... I fell asleep during part of it. Possibly. That was another one that um... was going to be, like, very revolutionary. It was written to be. Um, because apparently the screenwriter originally included a same-sex couple. And, uh, and it featured an interracial kiss. Because, like, the two people to survive at the end are, like, a black guy and a white girl. But those, both of those things got cut out of the movie because they were going to be too radical because it was, like, 1988 or something like that. Fucking 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of, of the ones that we watched, I think I have, like, the least to say about that one. Like, I don't know. It's kind of fun. It's pretty dumb. Um, I like that movie a lot. I think there's nothing, like... It's nothing groundbreaking or anything like that. I just think it's fun as hell. <laughs> um, so that's it. That's every horror movie we watched for Halloween. And Halloween 3. Um, how entertaining. Yes, we did watch Halloween H2O. And Halloween. Oh, yeah. And, and we Halloween watched. 3. Oh, sorry. Yeah, we did watch Season of the Witch and then we watched Halloween H2O. I actually kind of really liked H2O. Yeah. Um, I thought, like, especially since, like, the only other Halloween movie that I'd seen was the original. Yeah. Um, I thought that was like a really cool take on her character. It sounds like the, the most recent Halloween is like very similar to that. Um, or like they tread some of the same ground. Um, man, that is another movie that is very, that, that released in 1999. H2O, 19, uh, 1998. 1998. Cause the original was 78. Um, that, that one was like very late nineties. Like another, another just like time capsule mm-hmm. fucking like um, LL Cool J. LL Cool J's in it. Um, who else? Uh, Chad Michael. No. Oh, um, from third rock. Uh, he's, three, he's with, in it and he dies before the credits him with the three names. Um, Joseph Gordon Lovett is in it. Yes. Thank no, you. no, no. But there's handsome boy that oh, was just yeah. known for being handsome in the nineties. Um, he was like the kind of fuck that you'd have on your like bedroom wall. Um, God damn it. Josh Hartnett. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. 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 Josh Hartnett's in it. Um, as, as, uh, as her son. Why am I blinking on her name? Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. So he, he plays Jamie Lee Curtis's son. Um, and then Jamie Lee Curtis's mom's in it because she was the girl from Psycho. Mm-hmm. That that was honestly that was really that's great the casting. funniest part of the movie because Jamie Lee, like uh, Janet Lee goes, "Have a nice Halloween," and she says, "Thank you, you too." And then she turns around and the Psycho theme starts to play in the background as she walks to the car from Psycho and drives out of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh my god <laughs> that is it's so like if you don't know who that is you don't understand why that scene is there <laughs> but if you know that janet lee is a jamie lee curtis's actual mother and b the woman from psycho <laughs> it's just like that's kind of fun <laughs> yeah so and, yeah and i don't know it's it's kind of a fun movie um 
I thought it was like a good end, you know. I thought I feel like yeah. hey, if you were if you were gonna end that trilogy with H two O, I was like that was a pretty solid. I was surprised at how good it was for a nineties movie. Yeah, it, it was. Um, I don't know. I I was very disappointed by it because I've heard a lot of people say like, oh man, like like very like hipster horror fans are like, uh. Halloween to like 2018 is so dumb. It's just the same as H2O, but it's not as good. And then I watched it and I'm like, in what world is this a better movie than the 2018 Halloween? Like the 2018 Halloween is scarier. Michael Myers is much more intimidating in that movie. Like he's barely in H2O. Jamie Lee Curtis has a way more interesting character arc in the 2018 one, I think. Like it's a very similar character arc, but like she gets more time to develop because it's like H2O is like only an hour and a half long. Mm. Like it is a very like, it is like 89 minutes probably. Yeah. <laughs> like it is. And, and Michael Myers short. is in it for like 30 minutes. And I think he kills all of three people. No, four people in that yeah. time. Now I saw 2018's Halloween. Yes, you did. Yeah. You watched that with me. I, and full we disclosure, about. I did not see yeah. Halloween 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should watch that one next Halloween, maybe, because we own that one. Yeah. That, that, that could be the next one we watch, and you can say which one you think is better. Because now that I've seen both, it's like 100% for me, 2018 is like a vastly superior movie. Yeah. Um, I mean, just considering how fucking terrible the 90s were. Yeah. I mean, 90s kid, yay. I mean, the <laughs> 90s, they were an interesting time for, for like horror movies in particular. Because they kind of died for, like, a second, and then Scream came out, and then, like, they were back again. But then everyone was just trying to do Scream is kind of the problem. Yeah, and that's kind of the problem with Halloween H2O. Yeah. Um, is they spend way too much time on the teenagers, mm-hmm. um, who I'm not, like, super invested in. They're not as interesting um, as the characters in the original Halloween, and that's the big problem. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even, like, Josh Hartnett, there's, like, very little there. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't tell you about his girlfriend, like, anything about his girlfriend or about his two idiot friends other than his two idiot friends, like, really want to have sex in the movie and then they never get to have sex. Like, it was very disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, that's their character arc is they're going to have sex. Oh, no, they did it. They just died. Okay. Michael Myers is out here not, like, killing not, or killing virgins now, like... I mean, I guess that was, like, the idea, like, in the in 1999. It's like, 98. well, we're our 98. Whatever. Um, like, we're going to do a, a a slasher movie where the black guy lives and the virgins die. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was, like, the marketing decision that was made there. Um, you can't kill off LL Cool J. Oh, LL Cool J. <laughs> He was honestly probably the best I, I thought he was, he was, I was just about to say he was my favorite character. He was my favorite part of that. Um, he plays this, so he plays the security guard um, for this like stupidly prestigious um, prep school in Northern California. And um, the funny thing is like he. He wants to become a writer. He wants to become a writer. Specifically, he wants to write uh, romance novels. And so, like... He's always on the phone with his girlfriend, like, reading her what he's been writing. And she's like, that's terrible. You need to get a real job. My father's offered you one. And he's like, no, but my dream. My dream, baby. 
it's so 90s it's so painfully 90s um but yeah so that, that was like a fun um so that was a fun movie that's all i have to say about that no, and we're done. No, we're I'm just done. kidding. We're done with Halloween, I guess. Uh, let's talk about the election. Do I get to talk about the movies that I watched? Oh, yeah. Or yeah, is this sure. just the Nick and Elise power hour? Uh, we had a lot. Sorry. We, sorry. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. So, um, so like, I, I didn't watch that many horror films. Like I said, I only really watched American uh, Werewolf in London uh, on Halloween itself. Uh, but there were a few movies, or, or there was a movie and a few TV shows that I watched. Uh, mostly I've just been playing video games and working. Uh, but one film that I saw, and then I like texted you to say, hey, you guys should check this out, uh, was Enola Holmes. Did you get a chance to check oh, I We yeah. did watch that, and I completely forgot that we watched it. All right. So, Enola Holmes. uh basic basic like i won't i won't recap the entire movie because i it's kind of new and i would recommend people check it out um but general premise is that what if sherlock holmes had a younger sister and uh his uh his mom goes missing her mom goes missing and she decides to go track her down and it's based off of like a children's book um but it's apparently based off of a series. Like, there's a whole bunch of these books, apparently. Is there? I didn't realize that. Yeah. But um, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was very charming. If I had to choose one word to describe it, I would say charming is the word that I would use. But uh, it, it has these weird, like, asides where, where it's like, this is the part where the character is talking directly to the audience. And it's like, if this was a book, you would you would kind of expect this. And the way they do this is just have her speak to the camera. And I think it's the most charming thing I've seen uh, in a movie recently. But, uh, yeah, like, they make, they make the Holmes' mom, like, into a radical feminist of the 1880s, I guess. Uh, up, in, up in the suffragette movement. And... Uh, about to be planting bombs in parliament so that's a thing uh what did, what did y'all think of this what what did, did you have any thoughts in particular like i said i completely <laughs> forgot about this movie <laughs> since we watched it like oh, no. it was oh yeah we like we watched it i think like maybe the day after you texted us or maybe the night of mm -hmm. and like i think by maybe three days later i had completely forgotten that it existed oh i'm sorry Forgettable uh, is not a good uh, is not a good recommendation. Then I I'm sure they're gonna do a shit ton more of these films though, right? Because it's like it's based off of a series of fairly popular children's novels, right? Mm -hmm. And like, um, Billy, what is her name? I don't remember the the eleven. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Millie Millie Bobby Brown. Millie Millie Bobby Brown. Um <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown like is 18 but kind of looks perpetually 12. Um God, and it's really 18 now? And it's Henry Cavill. She's, Henry Cavill yeah. as was like as Sherlock Holmes. As Sherlock Holmes. But like it's it's very clearly like one of those things where Henry Cavill was like Oh, I'm doing The Witcher, but I want to have something that I can show my children. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I can do, yeah, 
I could do like three days on set in a in a 19th century costume <laughs> um, for a fuck ton of Netflix money. Yeah, speaking like, of this like, is like a thing that I could do. Phoned in performances that like just netted them like a big ass paycheck. No, Helena Bonham Carter. I wasn't going to say yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say for Henry Cavill, like speaking of actors who what like you would never expect to play this character and oh, yet and yet <laughs> like yeah. he was a pretty good Sherlock Holmes. He was, yeah, yeah, he was pretty solid. He wasn't wasn't like, wasn't there like he's a big burly brute. And I would not <laughs> like, cast yeah. him as Sherlock, yeah. but, you know, whatever. I mean, it kind of, like, especially if he's doing, like, very young Sherlock Holmes, like, mm-hmm. I kind of, I kind of see it. Yeah, his body type is very weird. Like, <laughs> it's like, like, no one looked like that in Victorian Yeah, London. I know. Like, everyone was dying of typhoid <laughs> and weighed, like, everyone 90 was, pounds. Everyone was dying of consumption because, like fucking like henry cavill's out here just like pounding red meat <laughs> like that's why everybody else's like iron levels are so low and they're just gotta get like... more protein bro it's it's commentary on the class system he's eating all of the meat do you even uh what are those damn bicycles called oh uh, penny farthing Blossom. yeah penny do you... farthing <laughs> do you even penny farthing bro like he's just running around on his penny farthing with like like a steak in one hand and a, and a like a, a dumbbell in the other, just like I'm Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, I'm Sherlock Holmes. Oh my god! I love it. <laughs> He actually, like, like all of those, like, I wonder, like, Sherlock, how Sherlock's, like, superior intellect will get us out of this one. He's like, well, I just punched him in the face. Well, I did. <laughs> it's Henry Cavill. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah, Dear we sweet really... himbo here at Henry Cavill. Which is probably why we see him for, like, maybe ten minutes in the entire film. Yeah. We don't really see him, like, do any detective work. Like, in it, this. like if you stare at it too long, you just, you're like, he does, this isn't appropriate. He does, like, 30 <laughs> seconds worth of detectiving yeah, in the yeah, entire yeah. movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, will say, I will say this for it. Like, I am not the target audience for this movie, which I think was probably one of the main reasons. Are you saying you're not a 12 year old girl, Nicholas? (laughs) And I'm also like, we watched it and I was just like, at the end, I think I looked at Elise and was like, this is just Victorian Harriet the spy. And if I was still like the age that I was when I first watched Harriet the spy, I would probably have thought the same thing about it as I did back then, which was like, Oh man, Harriet the Spy, that movie's everywhere. I gotta see that movie. And it's on an orange VHS. Awesome, cool, radical. And then I'm gonna watch it once, like rent it once from Blockbuster. And then never and speak then of it. And then never see it again. But yeah, if they're they're probably going to like yeah, you're probably one hundred percent right about them like this just being a series for the next few years. Yeah. I, I could see them making at least two more of these very easily. Oh, for sure. For fucking sure. You know, and it's like she, so like Millie Bobby Brown produced it alongside her sister. Yeah. Um, so it's like, of course, of course they're going to do it because it's like an easy paycheck for the sister. And like, you know, like you got fucking Helena Bonham Carter phoning it in. Yeah, just showing up. What are we doing today? <laughs> <laughs> like you could just see her like in that, in that dress, in that like, 
stupid Victorian that dress. That was the outfit she showed up in. <laughs> right? Like, she showed up in. She's got, like, the cigarette hanging out of her mouth. She, like, she like puts it out on a PA's shoulder and is like, all right. <laughs> I'm going to say these fancy words into the camera. And then I got to get, like, you know, I need to get back. I got to get a get like the next limousine back to London. <laughs> um, so I can do like cocaine off of Tim, Tim Burton's nose or something. I don't fucking know. They're not together. Anymore. Oh, they're not. Never mind. Somebody's nose. <laughs> like, but yeah, like, yeah, that is clearly the outfit that she just showed up. In. <laughs> just, these, just happen to have these on. God. Well, no, but if you look up, like look up pictures of, uh, so the crown, cause Helena Bottom Carter is also in the crown. Um, cause just fucking everyone loves her in England. Um, but like, like we just know her as like the weird lady in England's like, no, that's my queen mom. Um, <laughs> well, she's the one that's on the telly during Christmas time. What she is. Anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> Apologize to any of our British listeners. Um, but like, no, this is, they know what they did. <laughs> they know what they did. <laughs> but, um, they existed with their free fucking healthcare. Uh, I was thinking about the colonialism and genocide, but yeah, oh, the free yeah, healthcare yeah. too. Uh, that's true. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> no, keep listening. Uh, but like, if you look at like the press photos, so they decided to do, it was kind of cute. They did like an at home premiere for the crown instead of doing like a red, you know, a big red carpet event that would inevitably like be a coronavirus super spreading event. Um, they were like, well, we'll just like send like a red carpet to each one of their houses and have them take pictures and fucking Helena Bonham Carter. If you look at those fucking photos, like she, the, her dress, it is like a Victorian fucking dress. <laughs> All right. Like, <laughs> that she had in her fucking closet to put on for the crown premiere. Mm-hmm. So like, do not, you, you know, do not sit there and tell me that that is not just how she showed up to set that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and she's like wearing like teeny tiny sunglasses. And I'm like, that's because you're fucking hungover, isn't it? Like, you're just. <laughs> I, I will say, I, I will say this about Enola Holmes. Um, like, mm. like, I did like it. Um, there was one scene in particular, which was like, this was written for a Tumblr audience from like 2013, 2014. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that's the scene where uh, Sherlock Holmes gets his privilege check by... Oh, check, yeah, yeah. By, uh, uh, I think her name, the character's name is Edith, uh, played by Susan Wacoma. Yeah. Uh, who who just basically says, like, well, what do you... you, you no, you don't care about politics, because anything that changes in politics is never going to affect you. And it's like, yeah, yeah okay, like, like we've, we've gotten past that in Ola Holmes. Like, that, that was a conversation we had, like, six years ago. Yeah, this is good to, to see. To be fair, it, there's still like, like some liberals that are continuing to have, to have that conversation. Yeah. It was the um, last time they were right about something. Yeah. So, but but no, I I yeah I agree with you. Uh, what else? I don't know. It was, it was like some some of the things were clever. Mm-hmm. Um, they were also kind of lifted. From the the BBC Sherlock, mm. um, not that we should ever speak of that again. No. Uh, Speaking of 2013 Tumblr, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're just gonna leave it at that, Nicholas. Don't don't poke that bear. I did think um, that the the um, 
chemistry between uh, Enola and Tewksbury was pretty spot on. I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, like he was he was a pretty solid actor. The the casting was good. the casting is good. Like mm-hmm. it's yeah, everybody's everybody's doing great. You know, like even Helena Bottom Carter phoning it in is still Helena Bottom Carter. <laughs> yeah, so you know, <clears throat> like it's still you know it's still solid. It's still good. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very like it's a very glossy magazine, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And it's not, yeah, it's not bad. It's just, it, it is clearly a product that is made for young children, and I think that you know, children who watch it are going to be enchanted by it. It is charming, like it is mm-hmm. like that, like Millie Bobby Brown is a is a charming actress. Yeah. Um, and you, yeah, you were right to say that at the beginning, Alex, that yeah. it's a very charming, I think, you know, so things that like kind of disturb me to my core, um, is that like Nick and I could have like a five-year-old, six-year-old kid and it wouldn't even be weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I'm like that, this is like the movie that it, our hypothetical daughter would be watching on repeat during quarantine. <laughs> and <laughs> your hypothetical five-year-old daughter that you've never told me about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's, uh, she's actually in the other room right now, like just watching Enola Holmes on repeat. <laughs> Miranda, you can stop that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You thought Miranda was a, a cat this entire time. Um, you know, I like the, like, suddenly gets really into like uh edible foraging plant uh foraging for edible plants <laughs> and like pretends to have a british accent yeah god oh, that, that child is kid. fucking insufferable that would be our kid <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh so that that's that's what that's what we thought about enola holmes i don't know so it's that's also like something i think my parents would watch yeah um and be into. I should. I should text. Uh, I should text my sister and see if my nieces have watched it and if they're like currently because they're definitely like precocious uh, enough to enjoy that. Mm-hmm. Oh, for fucking sure. For for <laughs> absolutely fucking sure. Um, yeah. No. 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 Like these. These. These are like the kids that want like chemistry sets and stuff for Christmas. Like, I don't know. It makes sense because their dad's a huge nerd. No, I'm just kidding. I love you. <laughs> In case you, I know you're not the family members that listen to my podcast. So <laughs> I don't feel bad talking about this. Um, but yeah. Anyway. Um, anyway. Did you, what, what else did you want to, we were kind of running long, but we have also are making up for lost time. Yeah. So, um, Actually, just like a couple days ago, speaking of other, I apparently just watched children's movies and shows these days. Um, so just the other day, I finished uh, watching The Owl House on Disney+. Plus. Uh, never even heard of it. Never heard of it. Um, so it's, it's my, there's like a, a, a cadre of creators that like, they, they all work on similar stuff, but they switch out like who's directing who's writing you know all that um mm-hmm. but it's the same cadre of writers that worked on uh gravity falls and oh. on, uh star versus the forces of evil um i've heard good things about that one i have not seen it yet yeah so the owl house came out this year uh and it's basically uh it's like a 
like a middle school, high, early high school age kid, um, this girl named Luz or Luce, uh, gets, uh, she, it's summer, she's gonna be going off to summer, uh, camp, basically. Uh, she, she's kind of a character, she's kind of a person that, like, is weirdly macabre, and likes to just freak people out, if possible. Um, okay. And I understand what that's like. <laughs> uh, she's very imaginative and likes to read a lot of fantasy uh, books and such like that. And she's being sent uh, because she can't she can't behave. She's being sent to a summer camp where she's going to uh, learn how to be normal. Um, <laughs> but basically, like uh, you're going to learn how to do your mortgages by the time you get back. Um, but instead of that, she gets transported off to another world. It's an isekai. Um, and <laughs> the, um, basically she is, uh, res- she, like, gets involved with this, uh, witch, uh, named the Owl Lady, or Eda, Eda, the Owl Lady. Um, and the whole, it, it's like, the setting is, uh, called the Boiling Isles. Uh, which is all set on the bones of this giant titan uh, that's in, like, a, a boiling sea. And, okay. <laughs> and, I'm here for this. <laughs> and so uh, there's, like, an oppressive regime that's in charge that's really incompetent, and Ida is one of the only witches that doesn't fit into, like, the coven system. It's, like, the way that this fascist regime is trying to regulate magic. And uh, she's mostly just using her time to, like, scam people and sell, like, human artifacts that she steals from the human world, which is how the portal opened to get her into the human, into this world in the first place. And uh, so Liz is, like, one of the few, if only, humans that anyone's ever seen. But nobody really cares. Nobody, like, likes humans. Um, and this land... Just like in real life. <laughs> This this particular land is basically like made up of all the the fantasy and like mythological creatures. Like the they say in like the first episode that like all of the myths in the human world are real. They just happen here. Um, you know all the demons, all the witches, all the the giraffes. And she's like, what giraffes? Oh yeah, no, we sent those freaks back to your place. Um, <laughs> but so like uh, it it's it basically uh, Luz forces herself uh onto ada as like her apprentice uh after doing a favor for her um saving uh king who is uh played by alex hirsch uh, king is like a um he's the king of the demons but he's basically just a dog that has like a skull for a face um quick aside yeah. speaking of alex hirsch yeah did you see alex hirsch on twitter the other day no Okay, so you know how there was the um, the Trump administration has put out that like a voter fraud tip hotline. Oh, oh, no, I did see that, and Grunkle Stan, <laughs> Grunkle Stan calls it. Um, no, it was it wasn't Grunkle. He wasn't. He was doing the um, Seuss voice. Was he doing Ta- Seuss? Because I yeah, saw talking- one. I saw one where he was doing a Grunkle Stan talking about how, oh yeah, I uh, I scan- I voted a bunch of times. Like I, <laughs> I didn't see that one. You didn't see that one. I saw one. He did. He did one where he was Seuss and he was calling to report the Hamburglar. <laughs> Fucking amazing. We'll both need to watch the other one then because yeah, they both sounds great. Um, 
Anyway, go, continue, sorry. But yeah, so like it's it's like 19 episodes worth of a few, you know, filler episodes here and there, a few episodes that develops the plot. Uh, there's like a magic school and really like the um if I had to say anything about the magic school, it's like we're taking this premise specifically to dunk on Harry Potter. Nice. Like there's there is references to things that specifically dunk on things in Harry Potter. It's <laughs> it's really easy to dunk on Harry Potter, but I still appreciate it when people do it. Yeah. Um Harry Potter got dunked on before it existed <laughs> because of the existence of uh Wizard of Earthsea, but mm-hmm. it's still nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um but anyway, and then like there's this like um explicit like queer representation in it as in one of the other students eventually develops like a crush on Luz and like you know it's 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 a girl crushing on another girl and it's like not it's just played straight like it's great um so anyway uh I would recommend it it's on Disney plus uh which we do not have do not have well if you can pirate it um give it a chance I know it's like a like I said it's it's a kid's show but so is Gravity Falls, and yeah, no, I, yeah. I love Alex Hirsch. Like Alex <laughs> Hirsch is great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's also apparently talk of not Alex Hirsch, but there's also apparently talk of another uh, follow-up to Over the Garden Wall yes. at some point next year. So that's that's something to look forward to. Uh, yeah, no, the the creator, the showrunner is uh, Dana Terrace, uh, who was worked on Gravity Falls in the art department, uh, worked okay. on, worked as the director of the DuckTales 2017. Um, I, I saw the first episode oh, and I liked it. it's so good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know you liked it. Is it is so I, good. I haven't had a chance to watch the rest of it, but I liked the first episode. Yeah. Um, speaking, we've, we've, we've been watching some cartoons too. I don't know, do you want to Oh talk? yeah, um, I guess we'll, we'll talk about this. I mean, we are almost to two hours. Yeah. I feel like maybe we got to wrap this up. Um, so we could always talk about Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy. We next just time. finished it though. I feel like we should talk about it now, uh, just a little bit. All right. Talk about so it. So we watched we watched Harley Quinn um, on HBO Max. Um, that shows that shows really good. Yeah, it really doesn't have any business being that good, and yet and yet it is. Yeah, um, it's it's hilarious. Um, it as a as a longtime DC fanboy. They pull out some really great like references for DC fans, like, like to the point of like some of them are just the way that this character is posed is a reference, and if you get it, great, and if you don't, you don't need to to understand the story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they take all the characters. So the so the premise is, um, it's so the premise is it's a little it's gritty but kind of fun i don't know yeah it's it's um it is set in a universe where like there is going to be like horrific violence that is played for a laugh and like major characters will be killed off in the most like sudden and horrific fashion just for a joke yeah um but so so the premise is the idea is that like Harley um, finally realizes finally that the Joker is an abusive yeah. asshole. Finally, re- and so decides to strike out on her own. She decides to, f- and nobody is taking her seriously because she's 
she's a glorified goon. She's a sidekick. She's not like a real supervillain. And so that's just becomes her thing. Like, I'm going to prove that I'm a real fucking supervillain. Um, so she is, of course, she's best friends with Poison Ivy. Um, and they like. Just gals being pals. Just gals being pals. And, uh, you know, and Poison Ivy is like, I work alone, you know. But you should find like a crew like you, to work you, with. You can find a crew to work with. So she finds like the, the most mis like the sh- the worst misfits of the of the underworld, and um, they become her crew, and they like they fucking you know take shit over mm. um, together. And, like, and all the fucking time, the supervillain. I really like how the supervillains are very much played as like a, a boys club. Yeah, like an old school boys club. Yeah. So it's like. Uh, the Riddler, Joker, Bane, Lex Luthor, Lex Luthor. Bane is the and best. Bane <laughs> this is my oh my might god, be my, my favorite version of Bane. <laughs> Why? Is like that? it is kind of worth watching it alone just for for. So so they hired um I can't remember the actor's name but he's like a professional impressionist mm-hmm. and he is specifically doing a uh a Dark Knight Rises uh version of Bane. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh, yes, hardly. But he's just like this goof <laughs> that like all of the rest of the villains just are constantly making fun of him behind his back. <laughs> and so he's just kind of lovable. Oh, and the penguin. Oh, yeah, the penguin. The penguin and Mr. Freeze. So it's like, it's like this. Mr. Six- Freeze is the only one who doesn't really fit in with the boys. Club yeah. Thing. Like they, they do. But a- they acknowledge it. Yeah. And, and I like what they do with his character as a result of it. Because you, you're kind of watching like, if you know anything about Mr. Freeze, you know that his whole backstory is like, I don't think this isn't spoiling no. anything. Mr. Freeze's backstory is that like his wife has like a terrible disease and he's just, he's just trying to, you know, figure out a way to save her. Yeah. Um, and he's, and going, he's using crime as a method to fund it. Yeah. As opposed to just, Hey, Mr. Wayne, yeah. can I have a bajillion dollars to fund this enterprise? And, um, and so he ends up being a really, they, I like how they stick very true to his character instead of trying to force him into this like gross boys club aesthetic that the other villain characters are falling into. Um, but it is, it's a lot of fun. Wanda Sykes plays the queen of fables. Oh, yeah. Like there's a really great cast for this show. Uh, like, Tony the, Hale. Tony is, Hale is Dr. Psycho. Um, oh. oh my God. Uh, oh, Jim Rash. Who plays <laughs> the, the Riddler. The Dean in community is the Riddler. Oscar winner Jim Rash is in this. Um, what else? Like, I don't. I was trying to think. Like, who else? There's a lot um, of people that are like really, really good. The Lex Luthor. Lex Luthor is the guy who plays uh, Gus Fring in Breaking Bad, yeah. who's like the scariest fucking villain in that show. And then Harley is played by Kaylee. Kuko? I can't. I can't. I don't know how to pronounce. She's she's the blonde girl. She's like the girl from. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. So she was Penny in Big Bang Theory. Um, so she is producing it, I think, and also voices Harley Quinn. But you're you're skipping um, out on the two best characters in the show. Oh, my God. Who are, of course, Clayface <gasps> and King Shark. I love them so much. <laughs> I love that. So Clay, their version of Clayface is like he, you know, because Clayface can turn into anything. And, and in, the, in, in his backstory, he is a movie star. 
Yeah. Like in the in the actual like Batman like comics and in Batman the animated series, Clayface is a movie star. And so they just he's played by Alan Tudyk, who's amazing. And, and he's he's a struggling actor. And so he just Oh, I will I will play this role for this part. I'm gonna be the sexy co-ed and like and th- and that's like his answer to everything is like Oh, we're gonna do this this scene, and he's like, "I'm gonna play this character." Um, and he comes up like a, with a backstory to the character, and it's just like, "Oh, it's great!" Hamming it's so it great. up, chewing on scenery, it's amazing. Um, it's it's so much fun. It goes by like I think we watched the whole s- both seasons in, in like, like less than a month. In less been, than a month, like, yeah. We didn't start it last time we recorded. <laughs> um, uh, but it's I- it's really really good. Everybody, yeah, but, like, at the same time, it's very grounded Mm -hmm. in the DC universe, and so nobody feels like they're acting out of left field or out of character. In fact, they even, like, like Dietrich Bader plays Batman, who has played Batman a couple of times before, um, and, like, is very much, like, in line with the way that he's played Batman and other things. Um, God, I love... I, I Christopher the only one who's like kind of like not really the way he's characterized is Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Cuz C- Commissioner Gordon through most of the series is just kind of a drunk loser. <laughs> and he's played by Chris Baloney from uh Law and Order, Law SVU. And Order SVU. <laughs> and um, also Wet Hot American Wet Summer. Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah, yeah. He that to me is so wild cuz he is clearly a comedic actor. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And he got cast as Stabler in SVU and has been doing that for 20 goddamn years. <laughs> and so just like it, him as Commissioner Gordon is hilarious because like in the first season, it's just like Gotham PD doesn't do anything. It's all just Batman. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what's the point of me even being here? My wife's about to leave me. He always has like a flask in his jacket. And he actually did gets a nice redemption arc in season two. But and then he sti- fucks it all he's up. He's still kind of a loser, which is like kind of great. Like even after his redemption arc. Um, I, we and- still haven't talked about King Shark. Can we please talk oh, about sorry, King Shark? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yes, we can talk about King Shark. So <laughs> Who's just a shark. He's just, he's a shark who's like, who's a guy who's like a humanoid shark. And he's just, he's very sweet and... Until he scents blood, in which case he will just start ripping people apart. But then he'll talk about his feelings afterwards. Yeah. And I love him. He's adorable. They they found him because he was like working at like an Apple store. Yeah. They like set him up to like do IT for them when they were getting their their crew together. And he just like stuck around. It was great. He's great. uh, Um, And then you just get like random glimpses of his backstory, which you don't think are going to pay off. And then they super pay off by the end of season two. Oh God. It's so good. It's, it's like 100% worth watching. Like if, especially if you're, if you're a comic book fan, there's a lot there for you to just be kind of like, they did that. Like, um, there's a story arc towards the end of season two where Harley goes to Apocalypse and makes a deal with Darkseid mm. to like take over the world. 
Um, and they get fucking Michael Ironside to voice Apocalypse, who's the guy who voiced him in, like, Superman, the animated series. So he's just, like, very intimidating and scary, as Darkseid is supposed to be. Like, the most evil being in the entire DC universe. And then they just kind of, like, occasionally will use it for a joke. Um, I don't know. The casting is amazing. Like, every time we watch an episode, I always pull up IMDb to see, like, okay, who's in this one? Um, and I think I think just the most fun one is, yeah, Guan, Giancarlo Esposito as Lex Luthor is just great. He's just great. Because, <laughs> like, like, his character in Breaking Bad is kind of Lex Luthor. Just, like, a way more grounded one. Mm. <clears throat> um, and, yeah, like, uh, Alfred Molina is Mr. Freeze. Uh, oh yeah, Wayne Knight is the penguin from fucking uh, Seinfeld. Anyway. Um, so it's a really solid show if you can get your hands on an HBO Max uh, subscription. Um, yeah. If I was, 100% recommend. If I were and more into like comic books, I'd probably have checked it out already, but I don't mm, know. Like, like yeah. Uh, that and Doom Patrol. We've been watching Doom Patrol as well, but we, we haven't gone through quite as much of that one yet, yeah. so we have less to say about it, I think. And we've also gone for nearly two hours. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we, are, make, we are making up for lost time. That's um, true. So, but yeah, so we'll hear more about Doom Patrol in future episodes then. Um, we'll hear more about that. And is there anything else that you want to like tease? Like, we want to talk about it oh, later? God. Uh, um, like, real quick. <laughs> I don't know. I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of video games too. So maybe next week would be more of a video game like wrap up, okay. or ne- next episode. And um, uh, gosh, what else? I'm sure I've got things that yeah. are coming up that I'm just not even thinking about. But like, it's so it's so hard right now because like nothing's coming out because mm-hmm. of the, the the quarantine yeah we are we are getting to like the bottom of the barrel yeah yeah like uh for stuff to like, to watch at dune, this point dune got kicked back to next year halloween kills got kicked back to next year <laughs> um so yeah wonder woman get kicked back yep uh tenant did it but no one's seen it yet so <laughs> it's gonna win all the oscars yeah it's the only movie that came out this year <laughs> I'm uh, currently watching. It's it's on. It's like coming out. Uh, currently watching some anime, uh, Adachi and Shimamura, which is like a cute uh, romance anime, and Higurashi, which is a distinctly not cute horror anime, which I've talked about before. Mm, it yes. continues to be freaky as fuck, um, but it's still like in the process of coming out. So we'll hear more about that in the future. Um, cool. All right. All right. Well, if we've said all we're going to say for two hours. Um, I don't think I'm going to be able to edit this and upload it tonight. So you'll probably be hearing this if you're listening to it on upload on Friday the 13th. So hopefully, um, you know, the end times have not come and you can listen to a two hour podcast or do it while the end times are happening. That's, that's, you know, nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, in any case, my name is Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Elise. And we've been some nerds of a podcast. You all have a great night. (laughs) 